official soccer podcast. My name is Borio Demi, and I'm joined as usual by Manny and Justin. Uh, Manny and Justin, it's been uh, over, I think, about two weeks now that we recorded last, and it was due to the greatest sin in the world of football, the international break. But we're back, and we're happy to be back because there's a lot of things to talk about. Um, including the Champions League games coming up this week, the EPL, and you know a great surprise happening this weekend. Um, and um, something's brewing very nice in La Liga. A title race actually is on in La Liga. And finally, we'll be talking a little bit about our opinions on the international break. And as usual, we'll have the yellow card, red card sec- segments. Maybe, we'll see. Um, but uh, I think there's nowhere else to start from then the games are happening tomorrow and that is with the champions league um many and, and justin just real quick before i start that how happy are you that uh football or i would say club football is is back very and happy I, I guess i guess i'll give the floor to, to justin you can start first oh because you <laughs> you know my thoughts about this <laughs> yeah i think as I've been very vocal about, um, the international break in this particular season does nothing for me. I took a nice actual vacation from watching football during the international break because I had very little interest in actually watching these games. So just the, the highlights, uh, they were sufficient for me. And But I'm now very eager to get back into club football. Or I, I guess I was up until the Arsenal game on Saturday. And then I was like, okay, we can go back on a vacation Ooh. if we want to. Ooh, good point. Hey, how about you, uh, Manny? <laughs> Do you really want me to an- answer this yeah, honestly? Like you know, I'm just going to take, take a page out of uh, Justin's book here and say that it was completely unnecessary, I think, in, in, in the entire sense. Like, there was nothing that was gained from any of the games. In fact, I think it was an overall detriment to certain clubs like Chelsea. Uh, for example, and I just, you know, I, I really just think that it was one of those things where there was not very many appealing games to begin with. You know, it was one of those things that I, I think everyone was looking forward to, to it just being over. So I don't know about you. I enjoyed watching North Macedonia. So, um, but let, let's start <laughs> with, with the, the Champions League uh, for real. Um, and, uh, you know, uh I will remind everyone, and I'm not afraid to say it, that Justin won the last round of predictions. He he got. I think he only missed one prediction, um, which uh, you know, coming from Justin, that's that's impressive. Um, so I think the goal of this quarterfinals is for me, especially, to have a, a revenge of some sort. So we're going to to give our predictions, um, and I think. Before we even give our predictions, let's just talk about the games, and then I, I guess finally we'll give our predictions. But the, the first game that I want to talk about, I think, is, is a very mouth-watering one. Um, two teams that are not so hot this season, although Real seems to be more awake than Liverpool. Um, and and you know, the, the game is the Real Madrid-Liverpool game. Um, and uh, things are, are looking pretty better now for Liverpool, especially. Um, Manny, do you, do you have any thoughts about this game and something that maybe we should... Watch out for. Yeah, so um, I, I think this was a game where both opponents are pretty much, I think it's an even match uh, to the points that you just made, Bori, and just the fact that uh, they are starting to kind of catch a little bit of form. Uh, they've both been plagued by injuries left and right throughout the entire season, so they've had ups, they've had downs, but I've seen certain displays from them, especially over the weekend from Real Madrid winning comfortably and especially the display that uh, Liverpool put on. Uh, I think they're meeting at the right time. Um, It should be a really good matchup. Uh, This one's actually the one that I look forward to watching. Yeah, me me as well. Uh, Justin, so I just want to give you this this picture. There's no Sergio Ramos because, you know, uh, he has an injury. Uh, We already know Van Dijk was out. Um, it looks like Hazard is kind of back, but not called up for the game. Um, so it kind of seems like everyone has like key players out. Uh, basically, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, so wh- where do you think this will go? And and 
is this is this a game that you think will is going to be boring because we don't have the key players in it, or is it is it like how how are you visioning this game to go? On paper, this should be a pretty freewheeling, high-scoring affair because most of the holes on both these teams are in the defensive half. However, both these teams have been subpar all year offensively. Um, although I think now that uh, Diego Jota has returned for Liverpool and they have obviously their their regular front three um, with Mane and Salah and Bobby that they should be able to take advantage of this. But um, as we've seen, like I said, both teams have been struggling offensively. So I, I really like this. This fixture is like kind of a mystery box for me in terms of like how the injuries or which which players are injured and which players are healthy, like how that actually is going to play out on the field as opposed to on paper. So I understand that Liverpool won this weekend, but if you really look back at their last, let's say, five results in the in the EPL, they've been a different team, losing to to very little teams. Uh, I think they lost to Brighton, for example. Um, and I I don't see how we're not giving this towards Real Madrid. Um, and it sounds like from the both of you, you both are leaning towards Liverpool. And it just feels like we've forgotten where Liverpool has come from, which is they've come from really bad struggles. And if you're telling me that Jota coming back, for example, is a very key big difference, then um, maybe I'm I'm watching a different Liverpool then. Or am I I sticking too far into this? I think, I don't know. um, I'm interested to hear what Manny has to say, but for me at least, it's kind of just a recency bias. And I I understand I might be mistaken on this, but Liverpool looked pretty good this weekend. Um, The offense was pretty freewheeling. Like, it was kind of vintage Liverpool, or at least, you know, Liverpool of last season quality. So, uh, and like I said, like, Real Madrid have not been, you know, shooting the lights out offensively either. So I, I think it's kind of, like I said, a recency bias where, like, you know, we had the international break. Some players have returned. Some others have dropped out. And it's kind of like a, a page turn. And in in my mind, at least, uh, Liverpool is is the favorite in my in my mind. Yeah, um, I'm going to go and just circle back to what you said, Bori, earlier. And even though you mentioned some key notable injuries or absence on both teams, you know, like uh, Van Dyke in the back, um, Ramos, uh, they've had players that have been able to cover most recently kind of kind of well for those specific players um they i think to justin's point liverpool was a completely different team a month and a half ago than they are now um they seem to be kind of hitting form and and jota has made you know a significant impact on that team just you know from his time um playing uh limited in the uh previous match fixture with uh rb leipzig uh, I, I feel like he's reinvigorated that attack and to me the difference will be kind of the number of players the x factors that can contribute on the score sheet i feel like liverpool with all the f- uh, players that have been mentioned have more uh have the edge over real madrid because at this point in time it just seems the only person that can carry real madrid is uh benzema and if mm. Benzema doesn't score, I don't I don't see anybody else that can, uh, you know, uh, put in the the effort and try to make something happen. Um, I would just hope that Justin, the you know, Jr. doesn't listen to this episode because he will rip you all apart. Um, I, if, I do if see what Real you're Madrid saying. Wins. If Real Madrid wins, if yeah, yeah, I I do see what you're saying. I, I do think uh, players like Cruz and and Modric have also put up a shift but uh we have to see it in this game but let's let's talk about the the prediction and um i think our listeners probably know where you're leaning towards um but i'll i'll start with the the odd one so i think for tomorrow's game uh, i think the goal here is to predict tomorrow's scoreline and also predict um who's going to go through uh eventually um and surprise surprise i don't have 
Liverpool going through eventually, I do have Real Madrid advancing, uh, and solely because of the experience that they have in this in this competition, um, and the inexperience that Kabak and Phillips and all those you know defenders of Liverpool don't have, and I think that's what Benzema can actually exploit. Um, so I I put the scoreline though as a 2-1 uh, for Madrid, so I think Liverpool will be able to score one, uh, but Real Madrid will eventually score two. Um, so, uh, Justin, I'm going to move on to you, and uh, when you talk about what your scoreline is. So I have Liverpool advancing from the quarterfinals. Shocker. And I have... The, I just made a last-second change to the scoreline being 1-2 uh, in favor of the visitors, Liverpool. I had it as 1-1. Uh, and then I just, like I said, I made a last second chan- change. So you know that that means it's going to finish 1-1 now that I've done that. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's how it happens. Um, how about you, Manny? Uh, I also have the same uh, scoreline as Justin. I have uh, Real Madrid 1, Liverpool 2, with Liverpool advancing. All right. Well, um, okay. I hope I'm not wrong. That's all I can say. Um, let's move on to the next game, and that's the City, Manchester City versus Dortmund. Um, I'm looking at this sheet that we filled out, and I'm seeing something that doesn't look right to me. Um, I think everyone should be in agreement that Man City will go through this one, especially given Dortmund's uh, defense issues. Mm. But it seems like one of us has decided to go the other way. So I'm just going to start and say that that game, I, I mean, I don't see in any way Dortmund beating Man City unless the whole first team has COVID and they still have to go ahead and play. So they, so City will be forced to play the second string team or or the youth youth uh, 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 team players. So unless I'm missing something, I don't see how City will not lash them out like 4-0 tomorrow. I mean, am I am I thinking? too crazy justin i mean what the hell is this you know i've been really big on dortmund and i was telling you you telling both of you all in the last round like you gotta watch out for holland holland is just or holland is like unstoppable dortmund so much fun um all that being said i'm not the person you're you're talking about i'm not that crazy one it's manny manny is the one who thinks dortmund is going to advance here so what the hell are you thinking man the floor is yours what am I thinking? Um, I'm thinking everything you just said, Bori, uh, as far as the intro to this match, was exactly what's been said, what was said last year when Manchester uh, Manchester City went against Lyon and they got knocked out. Uh, you know, you, I think, are too quick to jump on the fact that they are doing really well. And nobody can dispute that, right? But I am going to take a page out of the Chelsea's book this past weekend. And I feel like at some point when you're, when a team's on a winning streak, uh, they may tend to let their guard down. And after watching Holland in the last match against Sevilla, I mean, I was not on the Holland train at all on the hype train, but I am after watching him uh, just that, that team is, he's a beast. He can do it all. Choo choo, get aboard. Everybody should be on this train. (laughs) And most recently, uh, they also uh, have had an injury boost as far as uh, the game uh, tomorrow, which is uh, Jaden Sancho may be available for this game as well, coming back from injury. And that's someone who they hadn't even used at all or needed um, up until this point. Um, That team is a high-scoring team. And I don't know, I'm going to use your same logic, Bori, as far as when you described uh, Benzema going up against the center backs of Liverpool. I feel like Holland is on like another level that the uh, center backs of Manchester City have not seen the likes of thus far in any competition. So I'm going to give him the edge. All right, all right. And so and you forget this might be his audition. You know, <laughs> well, maybe, of maybe, and we all know that you know sometimes the you know you get a player with all the rumors circulating and they tend to put more often than not, uh, some of their best performances against said team that is interested in purchasing them for the for the next season. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's such an interesting storyline. I'm I'm really looking forward to this fixture just because I love watching this Dortmund team. 
And then also Man City, it's like I said, it's like a machine the way Pep has them running right now. So it's like a really interesting clash of styles. Like the most orderly team, the most regimented team versus, I, I don't know, chaos, just a, a chaotic good or maybe chaotic evil team in, in Dortmund, in Holland. Havoc. Um, havoc. Yes, pure havoc. <laughs> it's going to be fun. All right. But, this, I mean, I'm still. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Justin. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, boy. I was going to say, I'm still shocked at, at this. And um, I, I mean, all I have to say is, let's not, yes, City may have their guard down and, and they may, like, they may they may think, like, you know, it's Dortmund, we got this. Um, I just think City's de- defense and, of, of course, the attack, it's just so much, I mean, it, it's, yes, I know it's Holland, but he's going up against, Diaz and Stones, and I'm not saying that they are the best defenders in the world. I just think they're defenders that that I think can handle um, Holland. So we'll see, though. Um, I can't wait to be here laughing at you, uh, Manny. Um, should be a very fun next week. Or um, I could be laughing at both of you, Bori. Oh, if if right. I'll feel so. I mean, like I'll give kudos where kudos are due, but I'll be so disappointed, so mad if Dortmund actually pulled a huge, huge upset because I've been singing th- this this team and Holland in particular, their praises. And then now um, Manny's bought in and I- I'm like cashing out and I should have kept those diamond hands or whatever, <laughs> whatever wow. the saying is. Paper um, hands. You had paper yeah. hands. Yeah. Right, I got to say that the- real quick though. Like I, like we, we didn't talk about international break because who cares, but from the highlights I've seen, Holland looked pretty pedestrian, surprisingly. I, I think, you know, it's a different team. Obviously, he's got travel, all that kind of stuff with the national team. But then Dortmund looked really sluggish over the weekend also, and they lost. Meanwhile, like City just keeps on chugging along like an easy 2 two nothing victory over the weekend over Leicester. So, um, like I said, recency bias is really, really weighing heavily on my mind when I'm looking at these fixtures. Oh, That's a fair point. I see Manny shaking his boot. No, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, it's a. Here's the here's the thing. Like the Dortmund may have already like you know, um, uh, cashed in on the on the league on the Bundesliga, and they're like, we're just gonna put all our eggs in the Champions League basket. You know, that may just be what they're thinking right now. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, City's City has which is competitions. Why. City has competitions to burn, though. They, you know, they can they can slack off in FA Cup. They can slack off in uh, whatever. Carabao Cup, you know they they have other they have such a so many competitions that they're competing in. And they cycle the squad so often that I I really feel like you know getting over their uh, Champions League bugaboo like that's got to be their focus. I have to imagine in the locker room. Let's let's talk um, scoreline. So I have I have City winning like four zero. Um, so but maybe maybe I'm just wrong. But I, and I also have City going ahead. Uh, I mean a hundred percent. Um, I think City is, is going to overpower them. Um, but maybe, I think maybe Holland, the second leg, may score. Uh, but I don't, I, I think City will control the game. Um, Justin? I have City advancing, winning this leg 3 to 1. Who's going to score the 1? Mm, I don't think it will be Holland. Oh, okay. All right, interesting. I thought you were going to just say Holland. I, th- I think Pep, you know. Holland may want to send a message to Pep. I imagine Pep also, since he wants this player, he may want to be focusing on shutting him down. And then, like you know, the incentive is there. Like, hey, come join, come join us. Yep. Um, uh, Manny, how about you? So I actually have uh, this particular match. I have it listed as three-two for um, City. But I actually have, like I said, Dortmund winning overall. And you forget that there's this is also the Jaden Sancho revenge game as well. So we all know that more often than not, when a player goes up against a former team or a previous team, they like to, they like to uh, make a point and play with chip on their shoulders. So that's what I'm hoping for happens. So we'll see yeah. if it actually that, that's does. That's a fair point. I think we've been we've been watching football so long that we know anything could happen. Um, 
So, so I, I'm not going to lie. Yes, uh, it, it is definitely a possibility. I think at this moment, though, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but let's move on to another exciting game, the Bayern versus PS3 game. This one actually got hotter because due to the international break, Lewandowski is now missing for a month, which means he's going to miss both legs and maybe even the semifinal if they qualify. Um, and this has changed everything for me uh, because initially I was like, oh, this is clear, clear, you know, like a, like daylight. Uh, but now I'm like, uh, maybe not so much, uh, especially given, I think, Manu, you said on, on, over the weekend, you watched the, the Leipzig and, and Bayern game and it looked like Bayern looked like a different team. Um, but um, what do we think about this game? What's what's uh, what's the maybe, maybe Manu, just tell us what does Bayern look like without Lewandowski? So, I, I mean, I, I can only speak to the, you know the one sample size over the weekend against uh, Leipzig. Um, I just didn't think that they looked as dynamic at all, just uh, trying to figure out how to how to pull together like a Mueller, a Goretzka, a Sané, and, and, you know, all those other players to try to make up for the single presence that Lewandowski uh, brings to, to the team and the formation. Um, he's just like a focal point. He's, a true, I'd say he's the best number nine, um, you know, for the last year or so, last two seasons. Definitely. For sure. His numbers, Definitely. you know, back that up. Um, the guy can do everything. I mean, I, I feel like Halan, you know, is the next closest thing to him as far as, you know, uh, the X factor and what he can bring. And I didn't see that at all in Bayern this weekend. Now, granted, they could have just, taking it easy as well, kind of, you know, tried to play the game out. It was just, they won by a single goal, um, a simple goal. And after that, they just kind of sat back and uh, Leipzig could have actually, you know, scored, at least tied it at the very minimum if they really wanted to, but they didn't. Um, and maybe it's just something that the team was looking forward. They already had a kind of an eye on, uh, on, uh, on PSG, you know, um, they just wanted to kind of get that game over with. But um, even with all that said, I, I still have to go with Bayern. I just I just feel like they, compared to PSG, PSG with the new coach and, you know, just trying to reorganize with that addition. And they also have some very notable injuries as well. Corey, um, I, th- I think you meant you made a note of that is Verratti. And uh, who's the other player that got COVID? Florenzi. Yeah, they're right Florenzi. back. Yep. So they also have some notable pieces missing. Um, Bayern still, I think they're they're still they have the competition. They're former champions. Um, they have a tremendous record in all competitions this season as well. So I still have them going through for me. Makes sense. Um, yes, uh, but they do have Neymar and Mbappe, so that's the thing we have to think about. Um, and uh, let's not forget, this is a revenge of last year's final, uh, which ended up like, was it 1-0-2-1 or something like that? Um, but let's, let's just talk scoreline now. Um, um, Justin, I'm going to start with you. What are you thinking is going to happen with uh, uh, PSG and um, Bayern? I this is a really tough one for me for all the reasons that Manny outlined, particularly the injuries slash to COVID, which I'm not going to get into it. But where did Verratti and Florenzi get their COVID? It happened over the international break. Okay. So okay. hello. Um, but I digress. I have a scoreline of one one in this fixture. I think the loss of Lewandowski really takes the bite out of Bayern's offense. And I think the presence of Neymar really takes the bite out of PSG's offense. I'm going to die on this hill. This is my hot take that I will not let go, which is that under Pochettino, PSG, I think, play better without Neymar on the field. Um, and I think Neymar, <laughs> Neymar kind of screws with their whole uh, direct attack through Mbappe. So that's my opinion. And I think it's going to you know, prevent them from really capitalizing. Um, all that being said, though, I actually have... I'm going to go out on a limb and I have PSG um, advancing from this tie and into the semifinals. And I'm very, very nervous to say that. <laughs> Ooh, we're twins. Um, I really don't know. I'm on the same boat. I think PSG will actually go through. Um, I think they are very serious about the Champions League this year. 
uh, as we can see, they're they're not doing so hot in the league, but I think their solace or like where they will find, um, you know, kind of comfort will be with the Champions League. So uh, they were close last year. I think the goal is to get it this year, and if they knock out Bayern, I think they they believe they will believe that they have a, a very good chance. So um, I do have the scoreline at zero zero though. Um, but I think um, I think PSG will go through overall. But um, Manny, I think you already kind of gave us your answer. But uh, what's the scoreline um, for the first leg? Yeah, so I actually have this at two two. I have it oh. as a draw. I have it as a draw as well. But ultimately, hey. I have uh, Bayern Munich going through. Yeah, zero ones well. and twos. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. And last but last but not the least. Uh, well, eh, really, kind kind of the least. It is the least. Um, I have to, actually I have to put that line in there. Um, but no, the, the game that no one cares about, should I say, uh, except except Manny. Um, Porto and Chelsea. We've seen Porto knock out Juve this season, so this should be interesting. Um, I do think um, we're going to see some surprises, uh, and I'm going to start. Um, you know, everyone. I, I think Porto has shown that they're not a team that you can just ride over. I think what Porto is very good at, at least what they showed, I'm not, I've not watched them this season, obviously, in the uh, Premier League or whatever it's called, but um, Porto seems like a side, a side that's very organized, especially defensively. So I think it, with Chelsea not be, you know, being a team that, that finds it hard to score, uh, I think they're going to really struggle with this one. Um, so that's why I have the first leg as a 0-0, and I think in the second leg it may turn out to be like a 1-1. I think I think is Porto playing at home first. Um, anyways, I think yeah. it's just gonna yeah it's gonna boil down to a, like a you know away go rule kind of thing, um, and I think that's how I think it's gonna be a low scoring affair, um, especially with Chelsea not being able to score much, um, although they've now started to leak a lot of goals as we saw this weekend. So. 0-0, zero, zero, scoreline, Porto advancing. Um, Justin, I'm going to give you the floor. I agree on the points. That's going to be low-scoring affair. It's going to be pretty cagey, I think, particularly in this first leg. But I have Chelsea squeaking by with a one nothing victory in Portugal. And then, um, you know, they'll be able to hold on to that one nothing lead when they're back at Stanford Bridge. And then they'll they'll advance into the semifinals. All right, Manny. Um, Man, I can see Manny. Manny is a Chelsea fan, as everyone knows. Um, so it will be very weird if he doesn't have Chelsea going through. So Chelsea. So I'm gonna just ask that question for you, Manny. Chelsea is going through, right? Of course, of course we are. But uh, to your point, and I mentioned this when uh, when Porto is not a team that should be overlooked, and. I think that that is something that we'll know for sure on Wednesday. You know, when, to Justin's point, I think the scoreline will be a lot closer. Um, I actually have it as a 2-1. I have Chelsea obviously winning, but Porto scoring on us um, based on, you know, just our, our, our performance over the weekend as well in, in the league. Um, again, this is something that I mentioned to everyone. It's not to be taken lightly. They've already taken out Juve. They are missing their best player, though. I, I feel their best player in Oliveira, who got that, you know, stupid sending off um, and that horrible uh, showing referee showing against Juve. Uh, but Chelsea also has a, a few key players that are out as well. So ultimately, I do have them winning. Um, one thing that I do want to note is this game is actually going to be played in Sevilla. And Porto is at home. Um, based on the COVID restrictions, UEFA went ahead and said, we're just going to choose a neutral venue oh. for the game. So it's in Sevilla, and I believe both legs are going to be in Sevilla. Oh. Which is, brings is that question, why, you know, away goals and shouldn't matter, right? So. Yeah, away goals suck. Um, yeah. I didn't know that. Is that a recent thing? Did that just happen today? Uh, no, so they, I believe they came out with it over the international break. Oh, um, I thought I looked so, at this so over fairly, the weekend. Fairly recently. So, yeah, the, the games will be um, held uh, in Sevilla. Hmm. Interesting. Which is, uh, which is unnecessary travel and yeah. further exposure to 
coronavirus, right? So right. knock on knock on wood that you know, knock on wood that, you know, yeah. the nobody gets anything because um again, anything can happen and then I will have to rethink all of these uh predictions. So it's okay. We already know you we're, we're gonna have to anyway, so I should just like <laughs> we'll see. Um, all right, cool. No, this was fun. Um, but on that note of of uh, Chelsea, uh, let's kind of just kind of segue into the EPL. And I really, really genuinely, I want to understand something about EPL teams. Um, so obviously Chelsea lost 5-2 to West Brom. Um, but at what point did Chelsea think it was okay to keep accepting more goals and, and, and then get all the way to five. And this is something I'm struggling with, like EPL. In the EPL, you see this crazy huge score lines every time. And to me, it doesn't make sense. If you are if you are losing 4-2, why not just defend and not try to, you know, you know protect the embarrassment of 5-2? I guess 4-2-5-2 doesn't make a difference. But Manny, can you just break down? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a time box here. I'll give you two minutes to, to do your thing. <laughs> just break down exactly, like, why in the world is the Chelsea let in five goals? A, a team that have not let in many goals over tens of games, you know, uh, suddenly we're able to concede five goals against West Brom. Uh, to me, it does not make sense. And I'm hoping somebody that's an EPL fan can really just break that down for me. I don't need two minutes, Bori. I just gonna need two words. Tuchel out. Tuchel out. Oh my god. I'm just kidding. That's a Chelsea thing to do. I, I, I no, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, look, uh, the writing was on the wall. You know, yes, Tuchel did uh, a phenomenal job taking over uh, mid-season uh, after Frank Lampard. He essentially turned the team around he stabilized the team he took us from ninth place to fourth place and uh you know solidified the back line and kind of started tinkering a little bit finding out what the right formation was but if you can ask any Chelsea fan any true Chelsea fan you'll see that there were certain games where you kind of saw we squeaked by we didn't play the best and Perhaps we were fortunate to not lose. Um, this was a long time coming. You know, it was like the perfect storm uh, for for all things. Um, we refer to this as uh, Murphy's Law game. You know, anything that could go wrong did for Chelsea. Uh, if you think about it, you know, without making any excuses, I don't even want to bring up the questionable referee decisions that that were that impacted the game. But West Brom had three weeks to prepare for this game. And I don't think uh, any, I think they had something like two players go on international duty, whereas Chelsea had, you know, way more. Um, they had a 48 turnaround, uh, 48 hour turnaround time to get ready for West Brom and early kickoff. And historically Chelsea does not do well at all. Uh, um, Saturday morning. Um, or noon no. uh, in in England. They they never like. I, I think out of twenty four Chelsea have played, uh, they've only won nine um, in that time slot when they played first. So you know it was already against us. But to your point, Bori, I think we underestimated. Uh, very simply, we underestimated the competition. And we thought we saw this uh, West Brom team, right? They're sitting in the relegation zone. But Tuchel, you can't really blame him too much for that. He's not really familiar or aware with of Big Sam and, you know, just the quality of a coach that he is. Because, uh, you know, I, I think that he's a quality coach. Uh, he's never been relegated in any team that he's managed at all. So that says a lot for, for him already. And they had all the time in the world to prepare for, for Chelsea. And I think Tuchel had more of a, an eye on uh, Porto on Wednesday. And he kind of put up a lineup that to me was unbalanced from uh, defense all the way up to, uh, to, to a forward. Like it was an unbalanced team to begin with granted because of the injuries that we had uh, with Kante and uh, you know, some other folks because of the international duty, again, a detriment, and totally unnecessary but 
it just goes to show you that on any given day, you know, in the best league in the world, Bori, and this goes to show that anything can happen. Any team can, can you know, any small, quote-unquote, small team can beat a big team. Um, West Brom also, I mentioned this uh, a few weeks ago, have had very, like, impressive showings against the top six teams. They drew Manchester City early on. Uh, they, uh, I believe they beat uh, Tottenham. They beat, uh, they drew Liverpool. Um, I want to say that they also drew, no, no, they lost to Arsenal, right? Right, Justin? But the point I'm getting at is they play well. Like, they have a really solid team if you see them play. And it was their day on Saturday. But I mean, everything where, that went well. Where are they on the table? They, they, yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. they, they're doing well against top right. six. That's but, fine. But where yeah, are they but on the table? You can't. They're not. Yeah, they're there at the table because of what. Like you can't really blame them for that. I mean, Big Sam was not their coach at the beginning of the season. He didn't dig them into that hole. That hole was was you know they dug themselves there due to the previous coach. They have quality players there. Uh, you know everything that 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 could go right did for them and. Every season, a team has a bogey team that they have to deal with and has And that season was West Brom for us. Um, we drew them 3-3 uh, early on in the season when Lampard was our coach. And we just right. lost to them 5-2 with some, like again, questionable calls. But it doesn't matter if you lose, if we would have lost 3-2, 4-2, or whatever the scoreline would have been, a loss is still a loss. Right. And at the end of the day, the you know the, the amazing stats that came from that game, I think it was like the first time uh, that West Brom has beaten us in Stanford Bridge that they've won in something like 80 years or something like that. It's something insane like that. They haven't scored five goals ever. Like that's their highest tally that they've that they've scored um, against a team against an EPL team. Um, on the flip side of that, Chelsea were on this, again, 15-game unbeaten streak. But like I said earlier on, it was the writing was on the wall. We were overdue a loss. And in my opinion, I think that this couldn't have come at a better time considering the bigger match that we have uh, on Wednesday against Porto as far as like not letting our guard down. Hopefully we learned something from the, this loss. And there's a silver lining to it. And uh, the fact that there's still... Uh, a lot to play for um, in the remainder of the season. Wow, that—that that, I mean, I, I gave you two minutes, but uh, I didn't realize the list of excuses was so long. <laughs> so, um, th- this is this is awesome to, to hear from, from just to see all the excuses that that you come up with. Um, I'm, I'm very impressed with that. Um, but let's let's move on to another uh, person that probably will give us a long list of excuse. Um, I'm going to give you three minutes, but I probably think you're going to take more than this. But, uh, you know, Arsenal played a struggling Liverpool, and somehow they used you as the bounce-back team. Um, <laughs> and that is really what's fueling your prediction against Real Madrid, because you, you keep thinking, Justin, that this Liverpool team is going to be Real Madrid. Um, after they used your team at, to, to bounce back and get their confidence back, but... I mean, I thought Arsenal had their, you know, uh, you know, their things together. You know, I thought they were more organized now. I thought uh, people were buying into the uh, Arteta thing, and and maybe, um, uh, you know, Aubameyang's haircut was going to even improve his <laughs> headers. Um, but it looks like that didn't happen. And and I mean, there was there was no response to a goal, or any of the goals, which was to me was the more surprising. Um, so can you break down, um, uh, you know? Uh, Justin, can you just break down what you thought about the game, what was missing, and why are we back to the you know regular Arsenal that we know? <laughs> okay, wow, that's you didn't give Manny that setup. I mean, come on now, but um, well, one team is in the time. What about that? One team is not this framing so, device so that you're, that you're that using way. here? Okay, okay, I, I'm gonna run through it real quick. I'm on the clock. Watch. Um, yeah, bad game, obviously. First half, no goals conceded, but it was still bad. Like Arsenal, for some reason, I'm not sure if this was intentional, but they seem to be playing like in a low block. And they were very compact, and they they're doing a fairly good job. 
Obviously, like I said, they didn't concede any goals, but they gave away all the possession to Liverpool. They let Liverpool like really just like start working their passing lanes. Um, they really allowed Trent Alexander-Arnold, like him in particularly, and Mane, but um, TAA, who's had a kind of rough year, to gain a lot of confidence. And he was playing angry and he kept on attacking. Um, I don't know what the hell that was all about. Like low block Arsenal is not an Arsenal that I want to watch, and it's not our style. And they weren't playing with like any urgency to like you know break out. So it kind of led me to think that maybe that was intentional for them to sit back like that. And um, I wasn't happy about that. And then Kieran Tierney got injured right before halftime, and then the game was gone. Um, all three goals that came in the second half. All three originated on that side of the field where Cedric Suarez was kind of filling in. He's, you know, a natural right back, but he had to fill in for Tierney because we don't have anybody else to follow um, follow him in the squad. And, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I can walk through all three of the goals. I have very specific thoughts about all three, and I can, I can field questions. This is my uh, symposium on why uh, Arsenal were, were pretty dire over the weekend. When just, I was just, feeling so optimistic about them before the international break. Yeah, I, I yeah I saw a lot of Arsenal fans on Twitter, especially when they went through the Europa League. They were just saying, "Oh, Arsenal is back." I was just like looking at them, like, "Okay, all right, you just won against what was the Olympiacos <laughs> or what team?" Anyways, my the can you just walk us through the most painful goal to concede out of the three of them and just tell us. You know, maybe if you if you want, you don't have to because I can imagine it's a painful no, experience. I don't know. This is <laughs> it's difficult. Year, you know, every every year for the past ten years. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's difficult to pick pick just one. Um, first goal, like holding the center back for Arsenal. He's so he's he's been this is the most he's played in any season for Arsenal, but he's so frustrating sometimes. He let Jota get a free header. Um, he like is maybe like, I don't know, 30, 40 pounds heavier and at least like half a foot taller than Jota. Like, how do you let him get a free header? And it brought me back, like the same thing happened against City. He let Sterling break free and get a free header. Raheem Sterling, what? Like get a, like a header, like six yards out. So like, that's like, just like so frustrating to watch a center back allow that to happen. Um, and then the other two goals were kind of just like sort of what I was saying with, the miscommunication and like uh, positional issues on the left defensive flank for Arsenal, where like on the second goal, Gabriel, the other center back for Arsenal, he was like totally exposed on the counterattack, and he got really unlucky with his slide tackle on Salah. Like the ball bounced back to Salah, and then, you know Salah's like in the box, he's not gonna miss from there. And then and that was because Cedric Suarez was like way way too like you know he was not in a good position when the counterattack broke, and then in the third goal. I don't know why he does this sometimes, but Gabriel, again, like all season long, he's been prone to kind of just like float these kind of weird mid-range lofted passes out to the wing. And this time he did it, like, you know, because Tyranny is usually where he floated the ball to, but he kicked it and then he it kind of looked like he kicked it and then looked up and threw his hands up in the air because Cedric Suarez was like <laughs> nowhere near where he floated the ball up to. And then again, it was just like uh, a quick counterattack from within Arsenal's defensive third. And, you know, there you go. There's there's three goals there. So, like I said, all three came from the same side, all three in part due to Tierney being out injured. Uh, hopefully he can come back soon because it's it doesn't look good when he's not on the field for Arsenal. Yeah, and uh, the Europa League is back this week. Um, so hopefully they get all that bat play out of them. Is Tierney out for a while or, or what happens to Tierney specifically? Is he just injured? Yeah, he, like, uh, in a 50-50 ball, like, I think he, like, smashed his knee. His knee bent in a kind of a weird way. Ooh-wee. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Not good. Man. Oh. I just want to I just wanna know why William didn't come on. William the Savior. <laughs> They've learned their, their lesson. <laughs> They've learned their lesson. <laughs> Uh, all right, real quick, let's move on to La Liga. Um, uh, you know, this is really surprising. I, I think, again, I keep remembering the time. Uh, I think it was Justin Omani, I can't remember who, bringing up the fact that, like, Atletico were 11 points ahead 
of of everyone in 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 the La Liga. But now, today, Barca bit by the lead and uh, and Atletico lost to Sevilla over the weekend. So it's just one point left, one point against a you know, and, and the second place is Barca, who they have been probably the worst Barca I've ever seen uh, in my life, to be honest, of, of watching football. Um, but somehow they're one point away from Atletico, and I mean, what is going on with that Atletico Madrid? I mean, they're out of the Champions League. They have nothing to to lose at this point, except just well, they have the the trophy to lose, but they they're not playing any external you know trophy uh, competition. I, I don't know why they're just so bad. And and I see somebody has a note here that that Oblak even said the penalty, which is. Uh, it's just so sad to see, and now people are going to call La Liga the, the Farmers League you know, or a Farmers yeah, League. Yeah, I can't wait to have this conversation at the end of the at the end of the I season. Can't, I can't, I can't myself. <laughs> um, but but uh, I I do think again I've said I think I said it a few weeks ago that I I think Barca can can win it, especially when they went out of the uh, of of the competition of the Champions League. I I think they they have the ability to be able to go go and win this trophy. I just, I'm sad for Atletico, especially for Diego Simeone, who, by the way, earns a lot of money. Um, I need to confirm the source, but I saw a ridiculous amount of money that he earns every year. And I'm not going to say it because I feel like it's not correct. But if it's correct, that's crazy. No, it's it, it's correct. I, I mentioned this as a random fact uh, not too long ago, remember? Right, right, it's something right. like... I think he win, He earns like uh, 40 million euros a year. Dude, that is crazy. <laughs> That's insane. That is insane. Pioli, our coach in Milan, earns 2 million a year. Just to give you perspective how, like, it's crazy. I saw that same figure and I was like, how in the world is he earning that much? I mean, makes sense. I think he's putting them on the map. But 40 million? Man, yep. I want to be a coach. I want to be a coach. Um, so sign me up. Uh, but yeah, there's nothing to say, nothing much to say. But uh, we're going to be watching this closely, and we'll probably, hopefully, um, invite JR back to come talk about this. Um, and it's funny that we're not talking about uh, uh, Real Madrid winning the title race because it's possible that they, they can win it too. Um, yeah, let me let's yeah, let me yeah. ask this to you two real quick. Atletico Madrid. Farmers. Did they finish third? Let alone let's what? How did okay? How about this? Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico. How do they finish at the end of the season with ten with nine games to go now? I'm still leaning towards Barcelona just because they they are not in the Champions League and I think they will I think Real Madrid will advance. So I, I say Barcelona. I think Atletico will be second and I think uh, uh, Real Madrid will be third. I I second that Atletico Madrid as well in second. Um, also something to note: this weekend is the Clasico. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to mention that to everyone. That's uh, that's part of the reason why I went with Liverpool because Real Madrid has Liverpool, Barca, then Liverpool again. So yeah. three three games that'll make or break their season. That's correct. Fair point. Um, I forgot about that. Um, but I'm still sticking with Real Madrid. <laughs> so um. Cool. Yeah. How about you, Justin? How they finish? Yeah. I kind of think Atletico is going to finish third. I think oh, they're wow. really, they're really, really going to botch it. Wow. I mean, yeah, Madrid I... is now only they're they're three points back. Yeah. Uh, Atletico has them on goal differential, but you know, uh, there's nine games, and Atletico is looking. They they don't look like they have a forty million, you know, man at the helm. That's for sure. <laughs> Wait, is it 40 million? Wait, Hazard was 40 million? Oh, sorry, no, sorry. Simeone, so, yeah. Simeone. Simeone, sorry, 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 my bad. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Um, and then the other notable thing in the in the Bundesliga, you know, I thought RB Leipzig was going to, you know, be Bayern Munich, but uh, they didn't. And, and now we're seeing that. We're thinking Bayern Munich is going to win this whole thing. Um, but uh, hopefully that's not going to happen because I, I hate when people call the Bundesliga a farmer's league. Um, but I think that's that's all we have. Let's talk about the yellow card record. I don't know if you have any <clears throat> thing. I, I don't know if do, do you both have. I, I can I can go because I have a one that I. It's not really a yellow card, a red card. I mean, I guess I'll give a red card to um, 
to Juan Cala, who who uh, uh, supposedly um, uh, uh, you know made a, a racist comment or or, or uh, suggestion or whatever to to Diacabi of Valencia, and that was, this was during the Valencia game and Cadiz uh, game this weekend. Um, I, I mean, the video is is crazy. Uh, you know, it's just how uh, he reacted, and I don't think people of color react in, in that way if, if you don't say something that re really is hurtful uh, because if we have a lot of doubters online obviously we always have the trolls that, that always say oh he didn't say anything how do we know um but i i do want to call i don't want to put light to that incident I, what i want to put light to and this is something that i've uh, uh talked with Sulaiman in the past about um and maybe also you justin is i'm happy that they walked out walked off the pitch like that's what we need to see if we see yes. disruption like that i think it will first of all it will bring more light to it and and this is something that tv stations probably don't want to see or although it may be good for the ratings but that you know like so, somebody they're probably losing money if, if the game is stopped abruptly like that um and honestly sometimes if it's possible just abandon the game if possible um but coming from a player i mean come on I mean, you're a professional player. There is no way you can justify saying anything racist to another player. And this is something that the whole, the freaking league talks about every weekend. They say yeah. say to racism, and then you are a player. And you no, know, initially I thought it was the fan because I didn't watch the game. So I, when I saw the thing, oh, I, I was thinking maybe are they letting fans back in, and maybe some fans that I I couldn't believe it was a player. So. I think when it's a player, it even needs to go more drastic and more drastic to the point that like maybe they just award the win to to Valencia in, in this case because it doesn't make any sense. Why would you say, uh, uh, as a player, say a professional player, say something racist to 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 another player? Um, but no, kudos to to the Valencia team. I, I mean, I want to applaud all their players uh, uh, that were that that really just decided to 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 leave the pitch. And I I don't know if Diakabi from the videos, I can't tell who initiated it but i think i can't remember what his name is but what well, i saw one player just suggesting that we leave the pitch and, and it's, it's great to have allies like that because this is what we need to see if people if we have more of these reactions i think first i mean i know it's not going to be eliminated 100 percent, but at least among the players out it will be eliminated i believe um it, it's something that should not continue even from from professional players so so yes. that that is my my collective red card and it's it's really to the to to uh to kala um but but just want to kind of spotlight the 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 bright side to it um obviously eventually you know they came back on the pitch and they finished the game but uh it was good to see the support from from the Valencia teammates i agree 100 percent bori um i know we've talked about it so yeah it, it was really good to see how um the Akabi's teammates rallied around him and i think it was gabriel polista the center back he, he used to play for arsenal briefly but oh, um I I I, oh okay gabriel polista who who led them off the field or like you know so like oh, we're see, out yes. of here yeah got it, got it, got it. but uh one thing i was i mean i was kind of disappointed to see like you know the the solution at the end was you know, they substituted the Akabi out and they continued the game and it's kind of like uh, you know yeah, we, have I mean, to, we, we have to have better protocols in place basically it's a systemic it's a, a problem with the system rather that mm -hmm. needs to be solved we need to have protocols and, in place to, to deal with these issues so like the team that's that like you know they don't have to be put in that position and the player the player doesn't have to be put in that position yeah no that's a good point justin but unfortunately i think right now especially because of the uh financial impact of covid i think that's at the bottom of the list as far as priorities go um, which is a shame to say because, you know, it should be uh, people first, players first, and then, you know, money. But yeah. that's not uh, that, that's not in the interest of, uh, you know, these leagues and certainly not UEFA and FIFA. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, to your point, man, yeah, I would even say, like, maybe the, the Cadiz should, should cover that cost. I mean, if a player that's representing them, then take the his salary off of mm -hmm. You know, and then cover the cost with that. So, um, but like you said, it, it's the, eventually the league that is going to be making that decision, and, and it may not be priority, top priority. But I mean, it's just this pisses me off so much. Uh, you know, because it comes from a player. Like that, that is the thing that pisses me off. If it was a fan, we know that fans are stupid, and 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 you know, they they drink and, and do all these. I mean, it's not an excuse to do it, but but we can at least cut. You know, one percent reason with it, 
Um, but from a professional player, no way, no way at all that right. comes from a professional player. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sure. makes no the, sense. The famously urbane and uh, you know um, <laughs> intelligent soccer, soccer players. Right. Oh. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I, I can I can very yeah. I'm being I can completely believe that uh, there's a decent number of professional players who harbor these these sort of beliefs or can say these sorts of things in the heat of the moment so and regardless it's unf- it, uh, unfortunate to see no matter who it came from mm-hmm. yeah um anyways i don't know if you all have any yellow card red card but um or something you want to call out from the weekend i'll be really quick because actually bori you spoke towards the one that i was going to mention uh unfortunately it seems like every week every episode we have a racist incident to call out uh, this was this week's. So, but since you've we've we've spoken about it, and I think you did a really good job summarizing and giving your thoughts on it. Um, I'm just gonna say really quick, my yellow card is to low block Arsenal. Uh, hideous, I hate it, and it's not the quote unquote Arsenal way. So hopefully I was just a fluke. And then my red card would go to the international break, which was totally unnecessary. And led to players, some players getting COVID, <laughs> and who knows? I mean, you know, it's it's you can draw a lot of tenuous links to injuries that occurred, like team you know. team forms, team forms, unbeaten streaks ending. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah whatever you want, but it's it's just like it's just unnecessary during COVID. So I I would just say this, Justin. Um, if 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 that didn't happen, then we wouldn't know that uh, maybe I think Georgia, the country. Um, uh, could not afford goal line technology, and that's why they ruled off um, Cristiano Ronaldo's goal, <laughs> um, and, and ultimately ruled off goal line technology in the whole of the Euro qualifiers. So, if not for the international break, so we we learned something uh, during the international break. So, um, I'm, but I I understand where you're coming from, Manny. Yes. Any last words? Yeah, I mean, I wish I could uh, red card the entire Chelsea team, but that was my original red card was, you know, Jorginho, everyone, Thiago Silva, everyone on that team. But, um, and also in, in a little, I guess, in a serious manner, um, bringing up kind of the impact and uh, the responsibilities of players. My red card, I'm changing it to uh, the U.S. men's national team's own Weston McKinney, who over the international break did not get called up to go play with the, uh, the U.S. men's team. So instead, he decided to have a party, a little soiree of sorts, uh, in the midst of a pandemic. And uh, from reports, it sounds like there were a few Juve players who also attended. Uh, one being yeah. one being Dybala, who has tested positive for COVID. Oh not my once, God. not twice, not three, not four, but five times he's tested positive for COVID. On Jesus different, Christ. In different instances. So... And, you know, in the respect of, like, then, you know, these players being professionals, you know, they are not above the law either. And they should truly respect, you know, the the laws as far as, you know, making sure that they are doing their part and making sure that we can get through this pandemic safely and avoiding the spread and the contact. And, you know, for I understand that Weston's young and, you know, this is going to be a lesson that I'm sure he's going to remember for a long time. But it was certainly unnecessary, and I'm hoping that you know there's not a major impact that came from um, such a decision. So that's my red card. Wow, that's a very good one. And I don't know if you read more updates about that, but it was his neighbor that snitched on him, um, who apparently <laughs> yeah. was a Juve fan, um, and he could not stand that. Like he didn't want that to happen because obviously he's a fan of Juve and wants to make sure like every he could play or or at least support. Yeah, basically, yeah. And, and then and then Juve went on to tie the game uh this weekend. So um I'm yeah, it's good for us too, which by the way I'm I'm happy we didn't talk about Syria because uh I think we have a clear winner. Um so <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. talk about that next time. Next time I'm gonna cut it off here. Uh but uh thanks our listeners for this is the fourth official soccer podcast where I'm on uh, Spotify, Google and Apple. And you can also find us on Twitter at uh, at 4thofficialsp. Uh, but thank you so much, Manny. Thank you so much, Justin. Uh, can't wait to talk to y'all next week. Let's see what happened with the classical. Let's see what happened 
with the first leg of the Champions League, and uh, hope to see, uh, every, oh, hope to uh, reach out to everyone uh, next week. All right, bye bye.